Hey, Dude Facts friends, thanks so much for tuning in today. You're about to hear episode three of our Dude Dollop series. This is a four-part series where you get to hear from each dude individually as they share a little bit about their life and the things they're passionate about. Today you get to hear from Grant Welch, or as we like to call him, Captain Pacific Northwest. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of joe and enjoy. The dollop drops now. Hey dude faxers, Grant Welch here. It's my turn to drop a dollop on your bathroom floor. We've heard from Jeff and from Ryan. Now it's my turn to uh, drop my little dude fax dollop. Uh, and lastly, I think you're going to hear from Josh Phillips. Um, but I'm excited to talk with you guys today. I can't wait till the four of us get back together. Um, it's something really special about catching up with one another and producing something fun to share with you guys. It's really fun for a lot of us. Um, but here we are. Today, I wanted to start my episode um, with that statue behind me. Um, Erica and I, my wife and me, we have very different tastes in most things. Um, we are very opposite. I'm incredibly type B. She is incredibly type A. Um, it's been really fun to have two daughters together and raise kids uh, with all of our differences uh, because we end up usually somewhere in the middle. A phrase we use is, uh, Erica needs me to dream and I need her so we don't get into trouble. So I need her, um, or she needs me rather, to fly, but I need her so I don't hit the sun. Uh, we are so different, but not with that. So Eric and I were um, on a little getaway at the Oregon coast. Um, I think it was two years ago. It was right, right after we, we moved into this house. Um, and we walked into an art gallery. I think we stopped for coffee or something first. And we entered this art gallery uh, that specialized in bronze sculpture. And we saw that bronze sculpture. And it's by an artist named Jane Dedeker. Dedeker, Dedeker, I don't know, D-E-D-D-E-C-K-E-R. Um, she's done some big commissioned pieces for state governments and for the federal government. Um, she's a really incredible sculptor. Uh, but that sculpture is called Bigger Than Myself. Um, we're at a lower vantage point. Pick it up for you. Uh, you can see it's it's a person staring at their own shadow, and some of the meaning behind the piece is that the the person is much taller than their shadow. Yet when they're looking at themselves, they see a shorter version of themselves. I don't know if you can see that the the shadow, the base of the sculpture is, I think it's less than half um, the the length than the height of the sculpture. And so the thing is, we have uh, negative self-talk all the time. When we look at ourselves, um, we don't see who we are, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know how you are, but I have a pretty high um, guilt conscience. Uh, I don't take compliments well when people compliment anything I do. I only see the negatives in, uh, in the activity or in what I've done. Um, I don't see what other people see when they see the good in me. Um, I'm hyper aware of my sin. Often, um, I, I rarely wrestle with um, God's existence or his care or his love for humanity. I wrestle about his care and his love for me personally. Does God actually love me because I suck? 
Um, I'm hyper aware again of my sins and my shortcomings and all of my flaws. Um, many of you know, and I've shared on several podcasts, uh, that I actually, I pastor, I'm the lead pastor of a church here in Vancouver, Washington, um, where the result of a church plant that I pastored, I was the site pastor of this church plant, uh, and we merged with an existing congregation that was declining and had been declining for years. So we inherited, um, a congregation, um, a, about the same size as the church plant had grown to, um, but a, a property, um, in a pretty nice part of Vancouver, um, I'm really excited to be in. Um, so I pastor every week and I, I preach every week, uh, every Sunday, believe it or not, I'm the one up there, the monkey with the microphone, uh, trying to point people toward Jesus and to unite behind his purposes. Um, but one thing that many of you do not know about me, I'm not even sure Josh, Jeff, or Ryan know this about me, uh, but the only bone I've ever broken in my lifetime is my jaw. Uh, even now, if I if I actually close my mouth, you'll see how crooked my my jaw is. So you see, my nose is over here, but my jaw is over here. I'll do that again. And if you're listening listening to this, just take me at my word. I guess uh, I'm also a military kid. So to explain how I broke my jaw uh, in 1995. My dad received orders that his entire air wing, uh, which at the time was in North Carolina, we had just moved to North Carolina. We had been there four months at that point. Uh, we were there six months total, but we had, my parents bought our first house that we ever had um, to call our own. Before that, we lived in base housing, uh, but they bought a house. We got established in the middle of the school year. We found out that his entire air wing was moving to Kailua, Hawaii to be stationed at Kaneohe Bay Marine Corps Base, uh, which I think is now like Kaneohe Air Station, Hawaii. And we'd ultimately live out there nine years. So from the time I was seven years old till uh, I turned 16, we were in Kailua, Hawaii, which was awesome. Of anywhere that's um, the second longest I've lived in any one place was uh, Kailua, Hawaii. But uh, the first summer we lived there, we hung a hammock between two trees. And uh, we had just moved there. I just made my first few friends from school and from uh, soccer. And one of my friends came over and we were seven years old. And uh, we decided it would be really fun to have a tinfoil ball fight. And so uh, when you are seven and you have a tinfoil ball fight, you wear football helmets. And so we're, uh, we're throwing tinfoil balls at each other, dodging them, um, you know, taking them to the head and a lot of fun. We decide to uh, have, I think it was uh, Capri Suns or something, and lay in the hammock side by side. So the two anchor trees are like this. We were side by side that way. So trees, us in the hammock. The hammock is suspended this way. So this friend of mine goes to stand up and get out of the, the um, hammock. So he gets out, and all of a sudden all the weight is on my side, so it flips. And uh, I hit the ground like a bag of rolls, uh, as our friend Tyler would put it. Uh, but a sack of potatoes, uh, the back of my head actually hit the ground. And in Hawaii, we had these three plumeria trees, uh, these really fragrant flowers um, and this really interesting root structure. So the roots of these trees 
um, are largely above ground. They, they scatter. I don't know. I'm sure there's a term for it, but they, they go out and they, um, surface above the grass and they go back down and there's roots everywhere. So the back of my helmet actually hit one of the roots of the plumeria tree and the mouth guard popped, uh, my upper jaw. It took out a chunk of my upper jaw, knocking out both permanent upper front teeth and a pretty good chunk of my upper jaw bone itself. Um, so these are actually fake one, two, and three, those three teeth are fake. Um, and because of that injury, my upper jaw stopped growing. Um, really from that point, I had a jaw expander or palate expander uh, when I got braces later on in life. Um, but my lower jaw kept growing. So I have a, the lower jaw of a 34 year old and the upper jaw of a seven year old. Um, so because of that, I have a cross underbite. I have a terrible lisp and you see my teeth don't really line up. My jaw doesn't line up with the rest of my face. Uh, creates all sorts of complications. So to tie, start tying things together, um, when God started calling me to serve him in ministry leadership, um, I assumed that he would have me take a role kind of behind the scenes. I doubted that I would do much speaking, if anything. I love drumming. Um, music is really big in, in my life, guitar and drums primarily. Um, but I've been on several worship teams um, to the capacity of supporting the singing, not singing and not speaking. And uh, I, I always, I, I looked at myself and when I examined myself, I just thought of all my flaws. I lisp. Um, sometimes I'm hard to understand. Uh, my, my jaw doesn't line up. I'm immature. Like I, I can go on and on. I look at myself and I see my flaws. And it didn't hit me until um, really probably the middle of Bible school. Um, I, I met my wife at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, uh, which is downtown Chicago, Illinois. Really cool. Um, it was a really fun place to live and to be. Um, and obviously I met my wife there. That's pretty cool. But one of the, the things that really convicted me while I was there is other than Jesus, every single person that God used in scripture uh, was a sinner. <laughs> And that might be pretty obvious um, for you guys, but remember, you're smart and I'm immature. But God almost exclusively used sinful humans to do his bidding. And uh, I found that oddly comforting. And I think there's two um, who I'm going to share about right now that really uh, resonated with me when I really dug deep into how God used them and what God called them to do. Uh, the first one was actually Moses. Uh, now, I'm not saying that I'm as capable a leader as Moses. I think there's a lot of parallels between his ministry and mine. But if you remember from the story of Moses, when God called Moses, uh, Moses actually resisted. Um, he said, uh, or he was, he was hyper aware of his own inabilities. He had a, a speaking flaw. We don't know what that is. We don't know if it was a stutter, but he, he remarked that he couldn't speak well. And God provided his, uh, his brother Aaron, um, who the, the line of priests in the Old Testament came through, this brother of Moses' named Aaron. So God provided and still used him despite his flaw of speaking. The other way I think Moses is incredibly convicting for me is um, that Moses had the job of reading 
the Ten Commandments and the whole law to the Israelites as God revealed it to him. If you remember, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, um, the first batch of uh, Ten Commandments got smashed because he saw the Israelites worshiping that false god. So the second time he comes down from Mount Sinai with the second batch of Ten Commandments to read to the people of Israel, the core of their law, uh, the ten um, the ten core commandments that God gave to Israel to obey. And one of them was, um, you shall not kill. I was about to say, thou shalt not kill. You probably think thou shalt not kill. I haven't read the King James in a zillion years. I bet you don't either. But isn't it funny that we think Ten Commandments in the King James? I think that's really interesting. Anyway, one of the commandments that Moses was reading to the people was, you shall not kill. You shall not kill. If you remember from the story of Moses, Moses was raised as an Egyptian. He was raised in Egypt. And he ran away from Egypt to a place called Midian because he saw a Hebrew slave um, being beaten and he murdered the Egyptian that was beating the slave. So imagine the guilt um, that Moses had when he's standing before the people holding the Ten Commandments and telling this group of possibly two million men, women, and children on the base of Mount Sinai, they're waiting for God's leading um, their lives to stand there and say, you shall not kill. Now, if that was me, you know, I would see myself. <laughs> and I would say, God, I'm not qualified to read this to the people. I have a speaking problem. I literally do. Uh, but I also have this sin problem. I'm not qualified to speak that truth to those people. Yet Moses is precisely the person that God used to lead his people for such a time as that. Uh, the character in the New Testament that I really uh, resonate with, and you probably could guess this from how immature uh, I speak on our podcast regularly. Usually, usually mine, my mind is in the gutter uh, before most people. I'll just start chuckling to myself. Um, but it's Peter. Now, Peter is the disciple um, that was in Jesus' inner core of three. I mean, Jesus had his 12 disciples, but he has inner core of three disciples, Peter, James, and John. But really, Peter got a lot of Jesus' attention in uh, the New Testament, well, in the Gospels, and then in the early formation of the church. He's there a lot in the beginning of the book of Acts. Um, Peter is interesting because he was just a fisherman just a guy, you know, the chance to be discipled and mentored and shaped into, um, you know, an educator, sort of like a rabbi back then, uh, had long passed. He was in the family business of fishing. Um, it's there on the northern banks of Galilee. He was just a, a dude. But Jesus called him, and that changed his life. I think the instance where uh, Jesus says to uh, the disciples, the group of the disciples, um, He's asking about his reputation. He says, who do, who do people say that I am? And his disciples, being more in tune with the average people um, that Jesus was ministering to, said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this guy or that guy. And Jesus says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who steps up and says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And uh, it was at that point that his name was actually changed to Peter. Um, Jesus tells him, you know, blessed are you. Uh, your name is now Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And Jesus is faithful to that. Uh, he builds his church upon Peter and Peter's ministry. However, uh, the very next paragraph that we have is that from that point on, Jesus starts to explain to his disciples how he's going to suffer many things and die as a ransom for many. Essentially, Jesus shares the gospel with his disciples, why they were doing what they were doing, doing, why Jesus had to live sinlessly, why he was teaching about the kingdom of heaven, because he came to die as a ransom for many. And you'd think this Peter guy, Jesus' closest disciple, on whom Jesus is going to build his church, you'd think that he would say, man, that sounds great. I'm all in, Jesus. Let's do this. Instead, Peter takes Jesus aside and says, Lord, I will never let this happen to you. This will never happen as you say. He rebukes Jesus. To which Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. Literally in two paragraphs, Peter goes from being the rock that Jesus is going to build his church upon to get behind me, Satan. Peter is always showing faith and listening, but then putting his foot in his mouth. We famously know that he walks on water, but takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts sinking. I think uh, Thomas, doubting Thomas, gets a bad reputation because uh, Thomas wouldn't believe until he saw the holes in Jesus' hands. However, right before Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, right before he gives his great commission, it says that Jesus um, gathered the disciples together on a mountain that he directed them to, to worship him. It says, but some doubted, some in the plural. I'm inclined to think that one of those some is Peter. And that's his reputation. He kind of doesn't get it until the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 on that particular day of Pentecost. Peter doesn't get it. He's just a dude. Even in Acts chapter 1, uh, the disciples are together saying, Hey, Jesus, are you now going to establish your kingdom? After he risen from the dead, appeared to many, uh, died as a ransom for many. Jesus' kingdom is not of this earth. Um, Jesus taught about the nature of his kingdom, yet the disciples and Peter were still thinking that Jesus was going to do his work on earth, set up a kingdom on earth that would kick out the Romans from Israel, uh, destroy the, uh, the Sanhedrin with the Pharisees and Sadducees, essentially give a new order of living here on earth back then. Peter just did not get it. And you'd think... Because again, I'm hyper aware of my sin. I look at myself and I see a little guy who has all these flaws. But you'd think that Jesus would be done with Peter. Peter had blown it so many times. Um, but you'd think Jesus would say, okay, uh, maybe I'm going to rename John. Maybe I'll call him Rock and I'll build my church upon him. But it's Peter's preaching on that day of Pentecost that forms the church in Jerusalem. God still used Peter um, to do his bidding. So I don't know if you're like me or not. I hope you find this encouraging that you're flawed. You stink. You need Jesus. But don't think that your failures disqualify you from serving the Lord. 
Now, there are some leaders who are disqualified from church leadership. That's certain. But if you're in Christ, if you love Jesus, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus. So I want to challenge you today to not tell yourself no on God's behalf. If you feel like God wants to use you to do something, or even if you have just a dream or desire to reach a neighbor or um, a loved one, a coworker for the Lord to share the gospel with them and uh, convince them to respond um, in faith. But you think, but I'm a sinner or they won't listen to me because I don't have a good reputation. Whatever the case may be, don't tell yourself no. God uses nothing but sinful, terrible people to do his bidding, me included. Okay? Remember, you are bigger than yourself. If you're in Christ, you are empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God himself dwells inside of you. We're told in Scripture that God sets up situations for believers to serve him. I love the fact that he actually serves with you in those situations, and I'm incredibly grateful that the Holy Spirit even cleans up our messes when we're done serving him. The whole scenario of getting ready to serve him, serving him, and after we're done serving him is completely covered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, So I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you feel like God might be calling you to do. But do not tell yourself no on God's behalf. That's my dollop. That's all I got for now. Uh, I can't wait till uh, the four of us get back together again. I got some sensual dad jokes just ready to go for you. But that's my dollop for today. Guys, God bless. Uh, It was great to spend this little time with you. Talk to you soon. (music) 